the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Wilbur in the Core Church, Los Angeles. Have you ever wondered how we allowed the Easter Bunny to hijack the second most important day throughout all of human history? Yes, Easter. The resurrection of Jesus is only second to his birth. Think about it. There's a God in heaven that loves us, and he came to this world to die for our sin, and he did. But he rose again from the dead, and now we can know him personally. Those of us who have done wrong can be made right. We can know God. We can have His hope reach directly into our heart. We can be cleansed and set free. I would like to invite you and someone you know that needs to find rest for their soul to our Easter services. Come see and hear the great message that sets captives free. We have three services at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and one at 6.30 Sunday evening. You can check us out at corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Yes, Nicodemus became born again. He not only believed, but he received Christ into his life. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I wonder if there's anyone here today that's in the same place and position as Nicodemus. Those who trust in being a good person. I'm going to get to heaven because I'm good. I'm a good person. I help people. I do nice things. For we're not saved. The Bible says, based on good works or on some religious affiliation. I've been in church my whole life. I've gone every Sunday. It doesn't matter. For God will always only judge us on what his word says, not on what we think. And so goodwill and good works will never outweigh the bad as if somehow God grades on the curve. He doesn't. He doesn't grade it on a curve. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9. He says, who can say? He's asking a question. God's asking you, who can say, I have cleansed my own heart. I am pure of my sin. Nobody. Nobody can say that. We can't purify ourselves. That's why he says in Jeremiah 16, 17, although you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your iniquity is still before me. So you can sin, you can do the things that are wrong, you can go take the bubble bath, have the rubber ducky, you can have all of those things. But you're not cleansed before God because he sees it all. Jesus burst Nicodemus's bubble. He told him, look, Nick, religion, good works, good deeds in themselves can never save you. It doesn't mean that we're not to do good works and good deeds. Of course we're supposed to be doing good works and good deeds. That's how we show the kindness of God to other people. But you're not saved by those deeds. We're not saved by them. 
And so it's like they can't save us. So he was just saying, Nick, you're dead in your sins. Here's the bottom line, Nicodemus. You need a savior. And ultimately he understood this. Isaiah, the prophet, some 750 years earlier, had already written in Isaiah 43, 11, he says, there's only one God, there is no other God. And that one God, he says, he is the savior of all man. There is no other savior, only him. And in the Hebrew language, the word savior means the deliverer who is God. And so he knew that. He, already un- he ultimately knew it. So that's why Jesus says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's just like you might be thinking like, uh, what? Just like what he was thinking, because he didn't understand it. So Nicodemus thought the same thing in verse 4. So he says, well, how, how do I do that? Do I go and crawl back into my mother's womb a second time and come out? Nick, that's a little sick. Okay. <laughs> not going to work. Your mama's already been dead for a while. Anyway, not going to work. But Jesus went on to explain to him in verses 5 and 7, he says that we are first born of water, naturally. And we are delivered from our mother's womb, right? The water breaks in a woman, and bing, walla, bang, we come into the world. This is not baptism. We come into the world naturally first. That's why he said, that which is flesh is flesh, that which is spirit is spirit. Then we're born from above. We need to be born from above. We need to be born of God, born of the spirit, born again. He said in verse six, again, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. We must have a spiritual rebirth. Some have said, you know, pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm just not one of those born agains. Well, I'm sorry, because according to Jesus Christ, if you're not born again, you are not a Christian. Titus 3.5 explains it to us. He says he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Mercy means that not only is he not giving you what you deserve, which is judgment, but he's giving you favor. He goes on to say, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. See, regeneration means a spiritual rebirth. It's a new work that only God can do. It's from the inside out. It's not to be confused with some cheap restoration, painting over the rust. No, not at all. God makes us brand new on the inside first. See, that's why we all need a a sign over our head when we come to know Christ. Still under construction, okay? Because when we ask Jesus into our heart as our Savior, it's Instantly, a picosecond, we become brand new, but we're still the same person, right? It's like, so not much has changed, so you can go tell people, I'm born again, I'm all new, and they're like, uh, yeah, whatever, okay? See, because they, they still see the same person, and now, now there's a process that happens, it's that sanctifying process, and it takes the rest of our life here on earth, and so when we come to know Christ, will we ever be sinless? No, but we can sin less and sin less, and sin less. And that's what happens in this sanctifying process. So it starts on the inside first, then God works his way to the outside, making us new, a new person, outwardly. This is that metamorphosis 
that happens inside of us. We were kind of a dirtbag knucklehead, and yet God turns us around, and all of a sudden we're loving and forgiving, and who is this person? See, he changes us from the inside out. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man or woman be in Christ, they become a new creature. All things are passed away. Everything becomes new. Everything becomes new to us. It's a spiritual thing. Only God can do it. After Jesus explains this to Nicodemus, he responded to him in verse 9, probably the same way we would if we heard this for the first time. How can these things be? You know, what Nicodemus was saying is, how does that happen? Okay, I'm kind of tracking along with you, but how does it work? I, I fully don't get this. Understand, we mustn't forget, Nicodemus, again, was a Pharisee. He was a walking Bible encyclopedia. In fact, Jesus even said to him in verse 10, he says, you're the teacher in Israel and you don't understand this? So it's like, no, you have a lot inside of you. It's in there. But actually, he didn't understand it. Again, why? Because Nicodemus, like us, had a big fat void right in the center of our heart. And he didn't have a clue to what all of this actually meant. Understand, our human intellect cannot figure out the things of God. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how high your IQ is. You will not be able to understand the things of God. Only God's spirit can open our eyes. And if you have an IQ up here or an IQ that's down here, when the spirit of God opens your eyes, you see it. Doesn't matter how smart you are. Doesn't matter how book smart you are. Doesn't matter how far you went along in your education or how far you didn't go. You might have dropped out of high school in the fifth grade. You said, ah, I'm done with it. I don't need this doesn't matter when God opens your eyes boom you see it and it's there first Corinthians 2 14 says but the natural man does not accept the things of the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand he's not able to estimate it he can't determine what God really means so it doesn't matter how smart you are and I've been talking to people I've talked to people of all different education levels and they'll just look at me at times like I don't get it it doesn't make any sense to me because the spirit of God hasn't opened up this should be an encouragement to all of us because God never told all of his sons and daughters to go out and save people he never told us go save people yes pastor Steve go save people I can't save anybody it's like what he told us to do is to share his word See, the power is in his word. The power is in the word. That's why Jesus always says, let him who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say. And when people start really listening to you, it doesn't matter where they are at. If they are listening to you sharing with them, that's when God just, bing, he opens their eyes and he sees it. It's the spirit of God that opens it. So all we're called to do, share the message. Get the word out there. Get the word. Get the word. Get the word out there. And we're just to share. And when people are like, you're a Jesus freak. Get out of my face. Okay. But guess what? Even though you leave, the word stays that you shared with them. They go to bed that night. They laugh at you. They, they joke about you. They mock you. Then they go to bed at night. And the word of God comes back because it doesn't go back void. And the Holy Spirit of God, as they're laying in bed, he said to me, everything I've done in the dark is going to be heard in the light. I'm going to stand before God one day. There's going to be a judgment. And it's like, he can't escape it. They hate you. 
Because it just sticks in there. Because it's the Spirit of God. But the reason God does that is because he loves them. And he torments them with the word. He torments them with the truth. Because he loves them. Because he doesn't want them to go into eternity without knowing him. Yes, there are many things in life that seem good and seem to be true in life. Most of them are just too good to be true. So therefore, they're not true, right? It's like when they say, yeah, we're going to refinance your house. We're going to do it for free. Oh, yeah, that's right. So this guy who's driving a brand new Mercedes is going to refinance my house for absolutely free. He's not going to charge me anything. Listen, there's fees in there, okay? And you're going to pay for it eventually. They can tell you whatever they want, but there's fees in there. Now, they could be an honest refinancer and, and they're getting kickbacks from the loan company and that's how they make their money. But there's money that's going to be paid for that loan. It's not free like they say. Just like when they say, yes, you can drive this brand new BMW for $99 a month. You're thinking like, this sounds too good to be true. It's because it is, okay? Oh, they might give it to you for $99 a month. They just didn't tell you it's finance for the next 60 years, okay? <laughs> You're gonna pay $600,000 for that car when it's over with. But anyway, it's like, so some things, and I'd say almost everything in life that sounds too good to be true, is never true. But this is the one thing that is true. Yes, you can know God. You can be born again. The Spirit of God can open your eyes. We can be born anew. We can start over again. Our sin can be forgiven. Yes, we can know the living God. Understand the Bible is the written Word of God. The plans of the infinite creator written to finite man. For some have studied under great philosophers in this world, past and present. Some have been moved by the writings of Plato and Socrates. Yet unless we embrace being born again, we will never be able to understand or to grasp the mystery or the depth of God's word, the Bible. Yet when we become born again, even the simplest of minds will be able to capture the, the, the width, the depth of the things of God. It's crazy, but it's true. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 12, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. So what must a man or a woman do to know this loving God? How can we become born again? Well, that brings up our second point a truth to embrace. The answer is found in verse 16. It's the most profound, it is the most famous verse of the entire Bible. And here it is in our chapter this morning. John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send the Son of Man uh, into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. Wow. So this verse lays out God's very heart. We see the heart of God in this verse. But let's break it down here. Let's take verse 16 and break it down. What does it actually mean? Let's look at it again. God who is the greatest of all lovers. So loved, a love not based on what we've done, it's an unconditional love, the world, every male, every female, every race, every person. 
that he gave the greatest act of all time, his only son, the son who was fully man, yet at the same time he was fully God, that whosoever, this is the greatest opportunity given to each and every one of us, believes a simple act of faith in him, the world's only savior, should not perish the greatest promise, but have the great, with great certainty, everlasting life. The greatest possession a man or a woman could ever have. And how did it happen again? Just like what Jesus said it would. In John chapter 3, verse 14, this is how it's all going to go down. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So now Jesus, in verse 14, is giving us the how-to. Now, he goes all the way back to Moses. Now, Moses, God raised him up to do what? To deliver God's people that were hundreds of years in slavery in Egypt. We don't know exactly how long they were in slavery. They were, they were down there for over 400 years, and we don't know how many of that was slavery, but there was a chunk of it that was. The generation of people that... Moses was delivering had all been born into slavery. So it had been going for at least 100 years. So all these people had been born into slavery. So he delivers them from Pharaoh. God destroys Egypt and they deliver the people. They, God splits the Red Sea. They walk through and they're going to the promised land. But yet once they got into the promised land, we're, we're taught here in the Pentateuch, the Torah, the law of God in Numbers chapter 21, that after he delivered the people, they, all they did was gripe and complain. They were moaning and groaning. So God punished them at one point in Numbers chapter 21 by sending venomous snakes to bite them. And people were dying all over. Could you imagine how scary this was? God was so sick of his people complaining about everything under the sun. He sends a bunch of snakes. I mean, there could have been tens of thousands of snakes. Because you remember, there was probably about three million people that came out of Egypt. And they're biting them. Just snakes everywhere. They're biting them. They're venomous. People are dying all around. So the people started just, you know, praying, praying, oh God, have mercy on us. So they cried out to the Lord. So God told Moses to take bronze, fashion it like a serpent, and mold it around a bronze uh, stake. So you got a pole with a snake wrapped around it, all in bronze. Put it on a pole and lift it up in front of the people. Anyone who looks at this image on the pole, God would heal them. Now, to this day, you know, you see this very same image, which is taken from the Bible here in the medical field. So this day, they use this image to symbolize their desire, desire to heal the sick. Now, you can't tell the ACLU that because then they'll say, okay, we want all of these images off every medical practice, off every card, after everything, because this is a religious symbol, because it actually is a religious symbol. So anyway, well, in the same way, using this same analogy, we are bitten by the serpent of sin. And when we look unto Jesus, who was lifted up on the cross, we too will become born again, delivered from our sin, healed from our past, and set free from the power of death.
God is so gracious to us. Man, this is so awesome. He's so loving and so kind. And he just explains it all right here. But why do so many people turn away from having this relationship with the living God? Why do they turn Jesus away? Many will embrace all these different forms of religion, yet they will reject Jesus Christ. You can say God. You can't say Jesus You can say Buddha, you can say, you know, Muhammad, you can say all these names, but you better not say Jesus. Why did they reject Jesus? Why did they reject being born again? Therefore, their sin is not forgiven. They've rejected Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the only way to heaven. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven outside of me. You must know Jesus, which causes us to be born again. And they forfeit God's promise of eternal life. Well, Jesus tells us why. This is why people will turn away from Jesus as we consider our third and final point. A warning to heed. Let's read what he says, picking up in verse 19. And this is the judgment that light, which is Jesus. Remember, Jesus, we'll look at this as we continue through John. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the light that shines. I am the Logos. I am the divine expression. He says, and this is the judgment that the light, Jesus, is come into the world. And men, they love the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light. It does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. See, the light exposes our deeds. That's why all the clubs and everything, you go party at night, they're all dark, man. You can't... Everyone's out there grinding, grinding. I mean, all of this stuff and everything. They take the girl home. Man, you're a princess. They wake up next morning. Okay, you know. Because it was all done in the dark. Man, but the light, oh, it exposes. Notice, it's not that they didn't believe in God. They didn't, it's not they said they didn't believe in God. They loved the darkness rather than the light. See, many in America today are in the same place. That's why the Gallup poll, the Barnum poll, the Pew poll, they all record about 78% of Americans are Christian. Uh, No. no. Three quarters of America is not Christian. Yes, they might believe in God, but just as the Bible points out in James 2, the demons believe in God also. But they're not going to heaven At the end of verse 20, it says, everything will be exposed. That word in the New American Standard, exposed, is translated reproved in the King James Bible. And it literally means both. It's to be exposed and reproved one day. The Bible says that one day we will stand in the presence of God, every man and every woman. And everything will be exposed and it will be judged. We will all be corrected. We will be reprimanded severely and punished if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Because then we just stand there in our own sin. That leaves all humanity with only two options. Pay the penalty for your own sin as it will all be exposed on the day of judgment. So you party hardy, do whatever you want to do, lie, cheat, steal, you know, do what you got to do to get ahead, try to get everything you can in this life, because it's all you got, and then in the end, you'll stand before God, and every sin will be exposed, nothing will be hidden, and then you will be judged and cast out of God's presence. That's the one option, and that's what many people have chosen. Or we can choose what Nicodemus chose to do. For he had found what he was looking for that night. 
Yes, Nicodemus became born again. He not only believed, but he received Christ into his life. And what did it cost him? It cost him everything. History tells us he lost his social status. He started out a wealthy religious leader who gained the prominence of the world, but it left him spiritually dead to embracing Jesus, the God-man, as his Savior and Lord. Yes, Nicodemus not only found life, he seized life. And now he's known by millions because he is in the Bible. And his life is unfolded in the eternal pages of God's word. And what is the last word recorded about Nicodemus in the Bible? As Jesus' dead body hung limp on the cross, dying for the sin of all humanity, where he says, it is finished. As all of his disciples, except for John, all fled from his presence, it was Nicodemus there at the end that stood there. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 